Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Awesome. My name is Morgan. We are in a series called God at Work in the Wilderness. Steve uh, had opened this series two weeks ago, talking about how God had brought the Israelites out from Egypt, how they were slaves in Egypt, and God brought them out. Talked about how there was deliverance into the wilderness. The, The wilderness was, in a sense, God's means of bringing his people out of slavery, of saving them from slavery. But when the Israelites came out from Egypt, they weren't yet to the place that God had promised them. They weren't to the promised land. And that in-between period of time is what we're going to be spending our focus on and our attention, turning our attention towards in the next many weeks. See, God had things to teach the Israelites in the wilderness. God had things to teach them in the wilderness. Some of you may feel like the church in America is in a time in the wilderness where we've come out from something, things are different, but it doesn't seem like we're yet where we want to be or where God has promised. Take, or maybe we're longing for former days. Some of you may feel like you are in the midst of the wilderness in your own life, where you've come out from something, you've overcome something, praise God, but you aren't yet where you feel like you should be or where you could be or where God has brought you to the fullness of that freedom. Some of you may feel like our church, Cornerstone, is in the wilderness where we're not where we used to be, but it doesn't feel like we are where we're going, where we're in between, between where we've been and where we're going. And it's true. We're looking at our mission statement, and if you caught this with what Steve shared earlier, that will be unveiled next Sunday at the congregational meeting. So our new direction for Cornerstone, mission, values, directives. And maybe the temptation in that is to feel like, oh, wow, we just started this sermon series and now it's over. Um, But just think of this new mission. Don't feel that that's us entering into the promised land, but the vital and important first step as we continue on this journey of discerning where is God leading us as a church? How can we best position ourselves as a body of believers, as a church, so as to best impact Greeley and the world with the gospel of Jesus? And so we're just so excited to share that with you um, next Sunday. And we hope you all will really get excited about the direction for Cornerstone as we kind of figure out and seek to figure out what exactly that looks like moving forward. So God had things to teach his people in the wilderness. And what we'll see in this series, and some today, is that some of the lessons 
that God had to teach his people in the wilderness, they never learned. God has things to teach us in the wilderness, and I pray that we would seek to learn them and let them transform us. So the Israelites, Steve talked about a few weeks ago, how they came out from slavery. Imagine for a moment these people that had been slaves, and now God had brought them out. Imagine how they must have been feeling Overjoyed, ecstatic, feeling like it was the greatest thing ever. This morning, we pick up 45 days in to their journey. And you know what they're feeling? You know what they're saying? Oh, can we go back? We want to go back. So that's what we're going to dive into this morning. See, in the wilderness, the temptation is to feel lack. But we're going to see this morning that there is provision in the wilderness, that there is God's providing that happens in the wilderness. So if you have a copy of God's word, you can turn to Exodus chapter 16. This morning, we're going to look at the first 12 verses of that primarily. I'd also be on the screens behind me. Exodus chapter 16, we'll start by looking at verse 1 through 3. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam, came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So that's where we get the 45 days. So 15th day of the second month after they had come out from Egypt, after they had come through the waters, the Red Sea, come into the wilderness, 45 days in, verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So a lot of people have said, and to some degree it's true, that I'm a very calm and relaxed person. And that's true in general. You know when I'm not? When I'm hungry. (laughs) Anyone else? Anyone else? uh, we have a little, we have anyone who's, who can get hangry here today? So a few weeks ago, I was uh, going into the doctor just to get some very routine blood work done. And you have to fast for that. And when I say fast, it's like, like 10 hours, like You go in the morning and you just don't eat breakfast, like that kind of fast. But let me tell you, the drama that I was experiencing internally, knowing that I couldn't eat, was profound, was significant. I started legitimately thinking about food. I started getting on Google, researching restaurants, 
I started thinking and talking about the first meal that I was going to eat after I came out of my, and I did say this, it's a direct quote of myself, after I come out of my 40 days and 40 nights of fasting in the wilderness, <laughs> Rachel may have correctly said that I was the most dramatic person in the world in that moment. And actually, just a, an absurd caveat, um, I did the math like later that day and like the day before, we had gotten up late and had a late breakfast, and I'd actually gone longer without eating the day before <laughs> than I did this day. But there was something about knowing I couldn't have food <laughs> that just, uh, biblical fasting is a growth area for me. <laughs> but the people of God were hungry. They were hungry in the wilderness. They were 45 days in. And we know that when they left Egypt, they did grab a whole bunch of food on their way out, but maybe it was starting to run low a little bit. They were hungry. And what happened? They longed to be back in the days when they were slaves. Maybe they expected to see something new or better by now, but they were longing for the days of the past. And again, when it seemed that their need for food wasn't gonna be met, or at least not in the timetable that they were hoping for, the response of the people was, was what? It wasn't prayer, it wasn't faith, but it was complaint. And interestingly enough, it was complaint against Moses and Aaron, their leaders, And they, they said, what? You brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Challenges for them and for us have a way of being magnified and heightened in the moment and forgotten in the past. That's to say, you are acutely and keenly aware of your challenges, of the challenges that you are facing this week. But you probably don't walk around keenly aware of the challenges that you faced and overcame a decade ago, two decades ago, before. So let's go back to their past. What was their past Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 through 14. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. There was a new Pharaoh that was there. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave our country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields. 
In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. And then verse 22, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. These are the days that the people are longing to return to because at least they ate well. At least they ate well. Memory has a way of diminishing the problems of the past and magnifying the good things. A number of years ago, I moved from Ohio uh, to California. And I lived in the Bay Area of California, and I don't know if you are, are aware of this, but that area is very expensive. So I owned a home in Cleveland area and then moved to the Bay Area where I was living in a house with five people. So I was working there, um, had a great kind of senior leader, senior manager, um, but I was pretty miserable because my living situation was terrible. It was terrible. And I was... It was, I, I just wasn't enjoying myself. Things were really hard. I didn't really have community or friends. And so I decided to move back to the Midwest um, and to a place that I had friends and family nearby. And when I got there, my community was taken care of because I had friends and family, but I didn't have a great manager. And legitimately, do you remember what I started feeling internally? Was California really that bad? <laughs> at least, at least I had a good manager, supervisor. What happened? The, the problem of the present was that I didn't have a good supervisor. And that was magnified in the present. And I was misremembering my experience of like a year before, was it really that bad? The Israelites did that. They forgot the slavery. Do you hear this in what they're saying? In Exodus uh, 16, they said, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted while we were slaves in Egypt. But they didn't say that. No, they said, at least there, we ate well. And from um, the story of Passover, we do see that they seem to have access to meat. Um, and so I do believe that they were eating better probably there than they were in the wilderness. But they were also slaves who had to throw their sons into the Nile River. They misremembered the past. They forgot the slavery, but remembered the meat. And their misremembrance hindered them. It made them ungrateful for the deliverance that they experienced. And it made them unable 
to learn the lessons that God had for them to learn in the wilderness because they just longed to be back. There's something else that begins to emerge here. I don't know if you caught it. If only we had died in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the wilderness to starve this entire assembly to death. We'll see this. This is the first time we see this, and we'll see this throughout. But this other unfortunate trait manifests in the people here. One that would continue for the coming years, and it was that they forgot who brought them into the wilderness, didn't they? It wasn't Moses who brought them into the wilderness. It wasn't Aaron. It was God. And if they had remembered that, then they could probably keep in their minds that the one who brought them in to the wilderness is the one who can bring them out from the wilderness, is the one who can get them through the wilderness. If they had remembered that it was God not Moses, who brought them there. They misremembered the past, and because of that, it made them ungrateful for the deliverance, and it made them unable to learn the lessons, to really learn the lessons that God had for them in the wilderness. Continuing on, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, So what is God's response to this? The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening, You will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. The people felt lack in the wilderness. We're hungry, but provision is found in the wilderness. It's been said that when God is all you have, you realize that God is all you ever needed. When he's all you have, when you have to rely on him completely, you realize he's all you ever needed. So what does it say? Go out and gather each day Enough bread for that day. Go out and grab as much as you want for that day. Then eat all of it. Don't leave any until morning. And do this each day, except the day before the Sabbath, and you go out and grab two days worth. Grab everything that you need, and exactly what you need will be provided for you each and every day. Jump ahead to verse 19. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots, began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. 
Why did they leave some until morning? See, God said, each and every day, I will provide bread for you. Go out and grab as much as you want, everything that you need for today, and then eat all of it. Don't leave any until morning. But some of the people held on to some of the bread. Why do you think they would do that? Because they feared lack, right? They were worried. They, 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 their fear that of, of, of not having enough, of lack, led them to turn inwards, to have kind of a preservation mindset where we go out and grab the bread, but then will it also come tomorrow? See, God provided for me today, but I think they wondered, will God also provide for me tomorrow? And if your answer's, I don't know, then it would lead you to hold on to it. Save some till morning, because what if God doesn't show up? So they held some until morning. They had it turned inward on their internal problems. Their lack of faith made them seek to just preserve, preserve, preserve. Their preservation mindset turned them inward. All right, verse 9. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. In the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. Come before the Lord, draw near to him. And what happens when they do that? They see his provision and they see his glory. Come before the Lord, draw near to him, and you will experience God's provision. Question for us this morning, where are your eyes facing this morning? In the wilderness, where is your gaze? Where are your eyes focused? We see that the Israelites, for some of them, it was inward on their internal problems. For some of them, it was backwards, just longing to return to former days. Or is it looking out and seeing what God is doing in the midst of the wilderness? Each and every day, God was literally providing a miracle for them each and every day in providing for them. God had lessons to teach his people in the wilderness, but the people longed for days former, even misremembering it. The people turned inward because of a lack of faith, but they also had the opportunity 
to open their eyes and to see what God was doing in the midst of the wilderness. And we have the same opportunity as a church to open our eyes and to not miss what God is doing in the midst of the wilderness. There are temptations to look back, to look, to turn in. But will we open our eyes to see what God is doing in the wilderness? God will provide for you today, just like he provided for you yesterday, and just like he will provide for you tomorrow. God gives his people provision in the wilderness, and he will for you too. We'll close with this question. Where do you need to experience God's provision in your life this morning? Let's pray. Lord, you are the one who provides for us. You are the one we can trust. And Lord, when you are all we have, we realize you are all we ever needed. And Lord, you are all we ever need. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be fixated on you this morning. May we behold your glory. May we see the miracle that you're doing in our midst. Lord, open our eyes to the ways that you're working in our church, in us, and in the world. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.